good morning, church. Hey, my name is Brian Tate. I'm the Edgewood Campus Pastor. I'm so glad to be here just starting our Table Talk series off. We're going to be in this series for about three weeks, and we're just going to look at conversations about the mission of the family. And I don't know if you have a mission or goal for your family, but it's, it's pretty biblically set to have goals or mission for yourself. And if you're married, to have certain goals and mission as married uh, as a married couple, and if you have parent, or parents, duh, you have parents, you're here, right? So if you have children, you have other goals on top of that. So um, if you don't know those goals, though, that's the problem that we have, because the Bible lays out pretty clear what those goals should be. And so we're going to talk about a couple, uh, three topics. Really, today we're going to talk about being physically fit and spiritually fit. We're going to next week talk about just time and margin and what your goal as a family there. And then also, the lastly, the third week, we're going to talk about being mission-minded. And so that's kind of where we're going to go in this series. And we're going to give you opportunity to have activities throughout the week, uh, as Brandon shared on the video before, to go to stonepointchurch.com slash tabletalk, and we're going to provide activities that your family can do together. Now, if you're single and you're not married, we... You have a goal in life from God, and that's to look more like Jesus today than you did yesterday. It's to know Jesus, to to be shaped and formed into the image of him, and he's given you a command, especially if you're a follower of him. And that command is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is our goal as, as people. Now, as the church, we equip those for the ministry, and that's... That's everybody's goal if you're a follower of Jesus. Now, if you're married, you have another goal, okay? If you're married, your husband should love your wives as Christ does the church, sacrificially. Women, uh, sp- the women, right? Man, I'm so off today. I'm not used to being over here. I got to calm down a little bit, right? And so, right, wives should submit and, and respect and love their husbands as the church does uh, God. And so that's your goal as married. Now, as as parents, you have another goal, which we'll dive into in a minute. But I don't know what goals you have as a family. But physically, we want to talk about physically being fit today and spiritually. And it goes kind of hand in hand. The Bible's pretty clear on just correlating or equaling our spiritual walk to a physical walk. And so I'm going to give you a few statistics real quick. About one in five adults meet the 2008 physical activity guidelines. Now you're thinking, that's great. Well, that's like 10 years ago, right? 2008, we meet the guidelines 10 years ago. That's pretty sad. I didn't even look up 2015 because I didn't want to go there, right? And so think about it though. Guidelines always change. Like growing up, my, my guidelines, my parents' guidelines to be fit was completely different with what was today. So 2008, one out of five, so 20% of us meet those guidelines. Inactive adults have a higher risk for early death, heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, depression, and some cancer. So our body is meant to move. Like God created us to move. It's, he didn't create us to stand still, to be inactive. In fact, he gave us legs to walk. He gave us arms to work. And even before sin entered the world... God had work in this world. And so the idea of our bodies to move was here before sin entered the world. Now, Americans living in the South are less likely to be physically active than Americans living in the West, Northeast, and Midwest regions of the country. I don't know why. Maybe it's our laid-back attitude. Maybe it's because we have to travel so far, so we sit in a car instead of walk. I have no clue. But for some reason, 
we're kind of doomed in this, in this uh, area, right? And so well, I just want to be like thinking, like as a family, what are we physically doing to be able to prolong our lives, at, to reach as many people as possible? Because that's our goal. Our goal is to reach people. It's not to be physically fit for us to live longer, but to live longer to be on mission for God. And so as a family, what are you doing with that? Now, spiritually, we have that same thing. Like if we don't have a goal physically, how are we going to make it? Like what, what are you going to nutritionally eat? What are you going to, how are you going to exercise? Same thing with being spiritual. Like what are your spiritual goals? And if you don't know it, that's going to have to be a problem because if you're not going somewhere, if you don't know where to go, how are you going to teach your spouse? How are you going to teach your kids where to go? And if you do know that you're supposed to have a goal and you don't have it, what are you teaching them? Are you teaching them the wrong things? So there's reasons why we need to have goals. And so uh, Ed Stetzer, the president of the Lifeway Research, says that assessing a Christian's spiritual growth without measures of seeking God would be like picking a flight with a right distance without confirming the destination. So it's like, okay, I want to go on vacation. I want to go 10,000 miles away because I just want to get away from Will's Point, right? And so let's go. Let's buy a ticket. Well, the, the problem is, is you don't have any clue on what to prepare, what to bring, what to do. You don't know if it's going to be family friendly. You don't know if you got to dress warm. You don't know if you got to don't bring any warm clothes. I mean, you don't know what's there. And so the idea of going somewhere without a goal doesn't help. And he also goes on to say, spiritual maturity is not an accident. Seeking seeking God speaks of intentionality. The believer who desires to know God in a deeper way and strives toward that goal. There has to be an intentionality to reach that goal. Like I can say all day long that I want to work out and, and lose weight, but if I don't if I'm not intentional on reaching that goal, then it's, no, it's pointless. And so not only do we need to know where the goal is, but we've got to be able to be intentional about getting there. And so the definition of physical fitness, or not the definition, but just the ideas that go into it, right? Physical fitness is generally achieved through proper nutrition, moderate, vigorous physical exercise, and sufficient rest. I love that rest part, right? I don't like any word that starts with X or and ends with size, right? That's, I hate it. I hate it. Growing up, I didn't like to do it at all. Growing up, I had like Cocoa Pebbles, Fruity Pebbles, Pop-Tarts, Cokes, anything that's not tr- nutritionally, has any nutrition value to it, okay? So I was not a very healthy kid, okay? Uh, my sports career went out in eighth grade when I didn't make the eighth grade basketball team. So exercise was not on my, my agenda, Okay? But if we don't do these things, we can't be physically fit. We have to know what goes into our bodies to be able to uh, have nutrition value to it. We, We have to be able to work. We have to be able to do some type of exercise routine. And then we do need sufficient rest. And if you take a marker and you just scratch out that word physical and put spiritual there, that's in a lot of ways how we get to be spiritually fit. We have to have the proper nutrition. We have to know what we're putting into our bodies. What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you studying? You have to be able to have a moderate, vigorous spiritual exercise. You have to do things spiritually. You pray. You uh, serve others. You you are mission-minded. There's got to be some action to your words. Otherwise, your faith is dead, right? James says faith without works is dead. You've got to be able to work through your salvation. And then you also need sufficient rest, just time to rest as a family and individuals to really look and see what God wants to teach you. 
And so this is kind of where we're going to go today. We're going to take a look at that. So if you don't, if you have kids today, whether you're empty nesters and, and you have grandkids or you have kids in, in your home, we're going to kind of look at that today. And the goal I want you to see is laid out in the Bible. In fact, it's all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it starts out in the Israelites have already come through the Red Sea, the Jews, the, the nation of God, and he's given them the Ten Commandments already. And it says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Like, as parents, we should know the stories of the Bible. We should know the promises of God. We don't necessarily have to go there and know the exact thing of John 3.16, right? We don't have to know exactly where it is, but we should know the stories and the, and the people and, and what Jesus did and what Jesus says about certain topics. It should be on your heart. And then, as parents, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Like this word diligently isn't just, hey, let's give my kid a Bible and hope they read it. Let's, let's bring them on Sunday and hope they grasp it. Because again, we aren't the people, the church is not the people raising your children. It's you. It's what you're teaching them. And so what are you doing diligently to teach your children? It says here, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. So as you're at the dinner table, as you're waiting for the TV show to come on, as you're watching the TV show, as, as it finishes up, how are you teaching them about Jesus? When you walk by the way, when you're taking them to school, when you're going to the ball game, when you're at the ball game, how are you teaching them about Jesus? And when you lie down, when you go to bed, are you praying? Are you teaching? And when you rise up, is the first thing on your mind, man, well, how am I going to teach my children today? That's that's the idea that, G, that, that God says we should do, is be diligent on teaching what you know about Jesus. Because if your mission as an individual is to go and make disciples, and God has blessed you with children, then the easiest way to make disciples is to teach your children. Your ministry as is, is at home. And so, I've got this jar up here. And everybody's like, oh, are we going to guess how many marbles is in there? And the closest one gets like, you know, a prize? No, I'm going to tell you how many are in here. It's 936. And you may have seen this illustration before. I don't know. 936 represents the amount of weeks you have with an 18-year-old child when they're born. And so for every week that pass, you take out a marble, right? So this is how many weeks you have with your children. Because by 18... I pray they're gone, right? <laughs> but what are we teaching them? Because the thing is, is we think that they're ours. We think our children are ours because, well, we made them. But the thing is, is you didn't make them. The Bible's pretty clear that he's knitted your children together for nine months. God spent nine months making your children, making you. He spent nine months giving them abilities, giving them talents, giving them a fingerprint, giving them a purpose. And he's entrusted us with 18 years to raise our children. He said, here's my child. What are you going to do with what I give you? There's a parable, right, in Matthew 25 that, of the good stewards or of the talents that, that God gives one person five talents, one, two, and one just a single one. And he says, okay, go out and, get and, and work and go out and do something with your stuff. And the guy with five went and doubled his money, came back, and the uh, owner said, hey, what did you do? And he says, I, I, I now have 10 talents for you. He's like, well done. The guy with two went out and doubled. The guy with one went and buried it. 
in the sand and did nothing to, with it? And he says, that's, that's not the purpose. I've given you things. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that your house isn't yours, your money isn't yours, your spouse really isn't yours, your life isn't yours, your children aren't yours. Everything that you're given is given by God. And how are we stewarding? How are we, how are we teaching? That's the implication here, and it's heavy, I know. But this is what we're going to go through today because we've got to have goals as a family. And so let's pray, and we're going to start in uh, 1 Corinthians 9. God, I pray that you just teach us something today. God, help us to be intentional, not only with our, our physical fitness, but with our spiritual fitness. Help us to be intentional with our time, with our family, because you've only entrusted us so much time on this earth. And God, I just pray that you teach us today how to be good stewards of what you've given us. God, I ask that you just uh, mold us and shape us into you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is relating our spiritual walk to a physical walk, to a race, to what runners do. And so I'm going to just start reading. We'll kind of go back and forth between this, these four verses throughout the message. But he starts out and says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And it's kind of interesting there because he starts out talking about physical race. And then by the end, in four verses, he's already switched it to preaching to others, teaching others. He says, we need to run it well. We need to do it well so that when we are teaching our children, we are qualified to teach them. Like Paul puts it this way in other books. It says, hey, imitate me as I'm imitating Jesus. And can you, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a husband, as a, as a wife, can you say, hey, imitate me as I imitate Jesus? Because that's where we are to go. That's where we are to strive to be like. And so can you tell your children, hey, Look at me, because I'm going to react as, as God does. Like, that's heavy. That's hard. Because our old self, we, we just want it to turn. We want to turn and be our old self when we get angry, when we, uh, when we are having fun. We just want to be our old self. But what are we to do? And so you've got 936 years, right? You can do this with your spouse, too, like based off how old you think you're going to live. Maybe that's a little morbid. I don't know. But... Yeah, we'll just talk about children. So, so you have children for 936 years. Weeks, thank you. Woo! Don't sign me up for that. So the very first, the very first verse here is, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Like, what's your prize? What do you want as a family? What do you want as a, personally? Like, the very first thing you've got to do is rest. You've got to rest, because if you don't know where you're going, again, if you don't know your goal, what are you doing? You have no idea where you're going. And so what's your goal? Like, take time as a family to talk about your goals physically. Like, I, don't, like I heard this comedian, Kevin James, one time, he said, um, I should, uh, 
my, my weight loss goal is so much different than everybody else, right? He goes, I just want my belly not to jiggle when I brush my teeth at night. He goes, All, everything else is just maintenance from there, right? But what's your goal? Like, I don't know if you want to be able to run a 5K. I don't know if you want to be able to run however. I don't know if you want to build your strength with muscles. I don't know because there's certain ways that you have to do something to get, reach your goal. And so what is that? What do you want your goal as a family? Like, do you just want your kids to be in sports because they need to grow and, and get good character or, or be physically fit? Or are you training them how to be like Jesus in that sport? I mean, what is your goal physically? Talk about it as a family. Also, what is your goal spiritually? Like, again, if you don't know the goal of where you need to go as a family, how are you going to get there? And if so, and you're teaching them things, are you teaching them the wrong things? There's implication here. Because God's given us, right, our children, to be good stewards with. So what are we teaching them? Hebrews 12 kind of points this out because I don't know about you but growing up I kind of wanted to be a basketball player but again in eighth grade that went out the window but I always looked at Michael Jordan right everybody growing up in my uh, time always looked at Michael Jordan because he was the coolest basketball player in the world probably still is right and so you have people that have gone through the sport so if you have a goal to be physically fit and you don't know how to get there the best thing to do is ask people that have gone through this already right like you need to do some research of people that have been physically fit for a while or people in our church that are physically fit. What did they do to get there? Same thing spiritually. Like we have got to look at people in order to be able to know where to go. So my kid, Levi, loves to play soccer. We have him in soccer. Uh, we have some kids in karate. But think about soccer. Like he has this one player that he loves and looks up to. I can't even pronounce the guy's name, okay? That's how close I am to soccer. But... Um, he loves it, and so he watches his videos online. He, he, he learns how he kicks, he, and he just practices it over and over. And then when he goes to practice, he's like, hey, watch this, right? And he's teaching others how to do that. But the point is, is how is he going to learn to improve his game if he doesn't look at somebody that already knows how to play it? Same thing with karate. Our kids go and learn from an instructor that has been taught these things. So spiritually, Hebrews 12 puts it like this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Hey, we have people that have gone before us. Let us also lay aside every weight. All those things that we're holding on to, that's not sinful, right? Money's not sinful. Some of y'all have been blessed financially. The thing is, if we hold on to that more than what we hold on to God, it will weigh us down. It's talking about putting an idol above God. So what are the things that we're holding on to? Are we holding on to our kids too tight that it weighs us down? Or, and sin which clings so closely. So there's two things that can weigh us down in this, in this race. Are we holding on to something that we don't need to be holding on to? Or are we allowing sin to cling to us? To weigh us down as we're running. And so we need to seek forgiveness for those things that are sin. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a race set before you. Looking to Jesus, that's who we look to. The founder, the one that introduced us to our faith, and the perfecter of our faith, the one that sanctifies us, the one that grows us, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is our prize. Jesus is our goal. 
That's who we need to look like. That's who we need to strive for. And that's who we want to see when our physical body does end. Are we all about being physically fit instead of spiritually fit as a family? Like the thing is, is it's great to be able to live a long life, but eventually this body will decay away. Am I teaching my children about God? Because in 80 to 90 years, they're going to see him face to face. What am I doing with that? Do I have the goal set? So the second verse starts out and he says, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. The second area that you see here is the first one's rest, the second is grow. Like if you think about it, in order to have self-control, a person has to eat the right things. Like me, again, I don't want to eat the right things. I want all the sugar stuff because that's what I grew up on, right? The problem is, is I married Amy. She eats no sugar. I may have corrupted her a little bit. But when we first got together, like I drank whole milk and, and maybe 2%, right? Like I didn't know there was anything different. Amy grew up on powdered milk. How in the world do you grow up on powdered milk, right? So she wanted to introduce that to me. I was like, I'm not, I'm not having that stuff. That's not milk. <laughs> so we had to like come together and figure out what to have. And so we've agreed to 1%. I've gotten used to it, thank goodness. I love to have white bread. She loves wheat bread, so we have wheat bread. I love Peter Pan peanut butter. We now eat natural. So I'm saying that we have to be able to self-control what we put into our bodies. So physically, are there some things that you've got to knock out of your lives? Like you're like, man, I just love bluebell ice cream every morning, evening, and, and, and right before I go to bed. I mean, you may need to cut back. Are there some things physically that you need to realize that putting into your body is not good for you? And it's not good for your kids. These are conversations to have. Same thing spiritually. Like what are you allowing into your home that teaches your kids something different from what God says? So what are you reading? What are you studying? What are you, what are you teaching them? What are you listening to? I'm not saying don't listen to all secular music. There's some great secular music out there. But there's some songs that go completely against God's word. What are you allowing? And what are you listening to in your car? Because I can guarantee you, if you're listening to it, your kids are listening to it. What are you watching? What are you allowing them to see on TV? There's a rating for a reason, right, for movies. And you're like, oh, my, that's okay. My kid, my, those ratings don't matter. My kid, it doesn't affect my kid. No, it affects your kid. Are you allowing Hollywood to shape and form the mind of your children? What are you allowing to be put into your children's body, spiritually? Again, we've been given 936 weeks. What are we doing about it? Are you setting up ways that you can teach your kids? Are you setting up conversations that you can have spiritually with your kids? Like, what are you reading at school? awesome. What is that? How does that contradict God's word? How does that go along with God's word? What are you doing? What are you watching on TV? Yeah, okay, so tell me, let me watch that show with you. Did you see how this went along and how it kind of portrays Christ? Or, man, this didn't portray Christ at all. 
Like, what are you doing as parents to shape and mold your, your children? Philippians 4 puts it this way. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Like, these are the things that we are to put into our mind. So let's put the exact opposite there. And so if it is untrue, if it is false, if it's dishonorable, if it's unjust, if it's impure, if it's not lovely, if it's not commendable, if it's not excellent, if, there's, if it's not worthy of praise, let's not think about these things. Let's just put them away, put them aside, because they're pointless for our spiritual walk. And he goes on to say, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Can you look at your kids and say, hey, what you've learned from me, what you've received from me, what you've heard from me, and what you've seen in me. Practice these things. Because they're looking towards you. As a father, are you the person that you want your daughter to marry? As a mother, are you the person that you want your son to marry? As a father... Are you the person that you want your son to be like when he gets married? Same thing with the mother. Because that's what they should see. That's what they should be. You should be a picture of Jesus and how you relate with your spouse. Because your kids are learning from you. I can guarantee you they're learning from you. I have three foster children that I've had for a year now, and they've learned from us. And they've only been with us a year. What are you putting into your body spiritually? He goes on to say, 1 Corinthians 9, 26, So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Like everything we do should lead us to the goal. So the third area that we see here is play. Like I get it. You should play. You should have some time and enjoy yourselves as a family. The thing is, is are you playing in a way that honors God? Like go Go do t-ball. Go do select ball. Go do that. But does it honor God? Like, are you teaching them to play ball in a God-honoring way? I grew up, and again, I didn't like exercise. So what I did like is rollerblading, skateboarding, or riding a bike. And so I would do that, and my healthiest time of my years was when I was doing that, right? My senior year in high school. I loved it. It didn't seem like exercise to me because it was play. So what are you physically doing that's allowing you to have exercise that is playful? Like our kids, we let them do 30 minutes of, uh, we call it screen time, so computer, TV, or playing video games a day. But the thing is, they can't do that until they've exercised their body. They have to go outside and play for 30 minutes, do something active for 30 minutes, or exercise their mind. They have to read for 30 minutes before they can exercise their thumbs, right? So we, that's the guideline. If you're going to have 30 minutes today, you've got to do these things. So what are you doing? Because it's okay to play, but what are you doing to build on that physical part? What are you doing to build on that spiritual part? Like, do you play in a way that honors God? So if you've got your kid in, in ball, if you've got your kid in extracurricular activities, if you've got your kid that loves to play video games or or loves to do computer stuff, or loves movies. I love movies, but it doesn't help me physically. 
Are you doing things spiritually that build their fitness? Or are you just putting all your, all your marbles, <laughs> all your marbles in ball? Are you putting all your marbles in education? Are you putting all your marbles somewhere else and not leading them spiritually? Because again, all of that's going to fade away. The only thing left is spiritual. So what's more important? Ephesians 4 says it this way, but that is not the way you learned Christ. So assuming that you've heard about him, assuming that you've grown up in church, right, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, we're going to assume that you've been taught about him. So we need to put off our old self in whatever we do, right? Before you met Jesus, you worked a certain way. You related to your spouse a certain way. You taught your kids a certain way. You disciplined your kids a certain way. You did something a certain way as your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, but to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in the true righteousness and holiness. So in play, whatever we do, whether we work, we should work as our new self unto the Lord. When we go to school, you should study, you should teach others, you should relate to others at school the way you should to Jesus. Like, this is the implications of of trying to teach and play following Jesus. So if you're in ball, what what are you teaching them as as they're playing, as they're going? Like, is ball the important thing, or is it you playing ball like Jesus? Is it you teaching people about Jesus? Is it you praying together as a family before the game starts? How is this happening? He goes on to say, but I discipline my body in the fourth verse here. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And this is what activities are you having that's on purpose to be physically fit. Like, it's okay to play, but we do have to have an exercise routine, right? Exercise is what tears the muscles. I don't like that idea at all, because it hurts, right? Exercise is what builds the muscle, It's what disciplines your body. And so physically, what are you doing on purpose to exercise? Not just the play area, but actually having goals to exercise. Same thing with spiritual. Like, are you doing something that's challenging your faith, that's working out your faith? And so this is the area of serving. Like, so we've got four areas as families that y'all can talk about this afternoon or throughout this week, and that's rest, grow, play, and serve. In all of these areas, how are you doing this spiritually? And serving is actually acting out your faith. So what activities are you doing to discipline your faith? Philippians 2.12 says it this way, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, now so not only as in my presence, but also, uh, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This idea that, that we are not to be passive. We're not to be lazy. We're actually to go and be active in our faith. Again, James puts it as faith without works is dead. So what are you doing to grow your faith? Because he goes on in 13 here that for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What happens when you put your faith into action? God works in you. We hear so many times, I just don't feel like I'm growing. I don't feel like I'm growing. I don't feel like I'm growing. I'm reading my Bible. I'm being taught. I'm reading my Bible. That's great. God's teaching you. 
but how's God working in you? There's two differences there. And so not only do you need to rest and read and abide in Jesus, but you need to put your faith in action. You need to do something to grow and discipline your faith. You need to do it as a family. So how are you serving your community and where you're at, your neighbors? How are you serving the people at the schools? How are, what are you doing to put your needs below other people's needs as a family? That's the picture. There's four areas. And so I want to leave you with this, okay? So you've got 936 weeks with children. This is my son, Ethan. I've got 162 weeks left with him. He is 14. It's pretty depressing if you look at it that way. Because we're half class empty, right? But the thing is, is you have to realize as you're pulling marbles out, you're putting other stuff in. So as you're pulling it out, like, let's think about this. I mean, you got some other things you're putting in here, okay? So let's find it. So you enroll your kid in sports, right? Ethan's in band. He did soccer. He uh, did basketball. He did baseball. And the thing is, is man, if I, if I put myself and put my kids all through these sports, you enroll them in ball at school, select ball, Every time of the week. That's not bad. But what am I teaching them? I tell you what, let's just, let's just take them to church once a week. Let's sign them up for Wednesday night and maybe pray a couple times around the dinner table. All right. What about, what about work? Man, he needs to get a job, right? So I need to teach him about working and money, and how to save, and how to earn, and, and hopefully one day be retired into where he can support me, right? And so I want him to save. I want him to hold on to that money. I don't, I want him to be comfortable. I want him to live the American dream. I want him to be well off. All yet, let's, hey, let's still take him to church and let the church teach him. Now we get to Hollywood and social media. Man, he needs a phone. Disagree with that statement, but he needs a phone. He needs to figure out what, what this world is about. And No, I'm not going to put any filters on there. Right? The church will teach him what to do. Hollywood, it's okay. Notice I put black there. We'll still, we'll still bring him to church. Maybe a little more. He's getting a little older, right? And then you have his education. He better get an awesome job to make that money that I told him about. And so I'm going to pour into him and say college is the way to go. And so let's really work on your education because I can't afford college, so we need you to get scholarships, right? And so let's do that, and, and let's still kind of drop you to church a, a couple times, Okay? That's pretty colorful, right? In the world's eyes, I've taught him well. 
But how much of Jesus do you see in him? Not a lot. Not a lot. And so why are we surprised that at 18, he decides not to go back to church? He decides to go find out exactly what he wants to do in this life. And it has nothing to do with God. Or, I can enroll him in sports and teach him how to play like Jesus. I can enroll him in band and teach him how to pray with others. I can enroll him in extracurricular activities and teach him how to share his faith with other people. I can teach him over and over what to say, what to do, who not to hang out with because, you know what, they're good, but they're not like Jesus. I tell you what, let's give you some money, but let's teach you how to bless others. Let's give you work ethic, but teach you how to give your time and talents to other people. Let's teach you about multiple things about work, but again, let's, let's teach you how to be Jesus where you go. Social media, Hollywood, it's not a bad thing. Well, yeah, it is, but let's find some good things about Jesus. Let's give him guidelines on what to watch, what to know, whether or not he should put some songs into his minds or, or his ears. Let's, let's put some filters on his phone so he's not having to look at something that corrupts him. And let's talk about education. How can you get a job that will further the cause of Jesus? How can you get a job, because it doesn't have to be in ministry, to bless others? Which one do you see more of Jesus in? That's our goal as parents, to teach them diligently, not to rely on the church. Again, we're to equip you guys for the ministry, and your ministry's at home. But I want my kid to look more like Jesus than this world. So what are you doing? Where's your goals? We're going to provide with you some activities, okay? If you have access to the internet, I ask that you do not pick one of these up, okay? Because you can go to stonepointchurch.com slash tabletalk, and the whole guide is there. Multiple, multiple things to do. And so here's a couple examples. On the back, coming up on November 6th, that's what? Tomorrow? It's National Nachos Day. So this is a play activity for your family. Get some people in your community or, or just your family or neighbors for some nachos. Play kickball, wiffle ball, washers, whatever you can do. Enjoy nachos afterwards. And read 1 Corinthians 10, 31 and Philippians 2, 3 through 5. And as you're playing games, so before that, tell your kids, hey, when we're about to play games, you'll notice that some will be better than others. It's easier to celebrate when you do something awesome. We like when we get attention and accolades for our excellent abilities, but when you're playing, look for opportunities to encourage and praise the people around you. Now, as you're eating nachos... You can say, hey, Paul reminds us in Philippians to not look out for our own interests, but instead we should take an interest in others. 
How does it make you feel when other people are selfish and look out for their own interests? And how can you be humble while playing fun games? November 11th is National Sunday Day. No, it's not the day itself, but it's ice cream day, okay? This is a way that you can grow it. This is a grow activity. So get the ingredients, hot fudge, strawberry ice cream, whipped cream, and green sprinkles. Hot fudge represents sin. It gives you all these verses. What about sin? Strawberry ice cream represents the blood of Jesus. You're sharing the gospel through having a Sunday. Whipped cream shows us that Jesus has made us righteous. He's cleansed us from our sins. And the green sprinkles stand for the way that you grow in our knowledge and trust in Jesus. And it just lays it out. And we're going to have multiple activities to do for your family every week. We have November up. We're going to have December coming up soon. So go check this out. If you do not have access to the internet, go through these doors back to our Connection Center and we have page one for you. And we'll have the other pages for you next week. So take time. Be intentional. Set goals. Rest. Play. Serve. Grow as a family. Because it's worth it. Because wherever you are, you have 936 weeks with your kid. When they leave, what are they going to look like? Because you've been entrusted with them. They're God's children. Do it well. Father, I thank you for today. God, I pray that you be with us as we continue this series. Help us to know exactly what to do with our children, what to do with our spouses, what to do with ourselves, God. So many times I let so many things get wrapped up in what I enjoy doing that I neglect the time just to spend with you. God, please help me to be intentional with myself because I can't leave my kids if I'm not doing it myself. God, I thank you for my kids. I thank you for blessing me with them. But God, I pray I don't drop the ball. I pray that I'm intentional with teaching them how, how you want them to be in this world. God, help me have faith in you and you alone that you're going to teach them as they leave that they're going to have a relationship with you that they know and they stand on something solid. God, I pray that I can be the person that they look towards and say, hey, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.